Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Exurga Deus dispentur in mici eius, et fugiancio derunteum apache eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. Every single day, I find myself pushed to the point where I now actually have to say fairly repeatedly that Protestants are not Christian. Now don't get me wrong. I have a lot of Protestant friends. In fact, actually, most of my friends are some form of Protestant or other. But sometimes talking to them is like talking to a brick wall. I'll explain. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangeli, defend the nos Proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidiams diaboli est opraesidium. Imperet ilidea supplicas de vracamur, tuge princeps militae calestis, satra malios que spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute in infernum de trule. Amen. Coriesu sacratissimum miserere nobis, mater dolorosa ora pro nobis. Beatus carolusa domo Austriae ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Concertio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. It is bewildering to me. Absolutely awe-striking. When I listen to Protestants make their case about the Bible. Now, I've said this before, a long, long time ago, and eventually I'll manage to get everything converted to MP3 and I'll be able to upload the archives, and hopefully I'll be able to put them in some sort of original calendar order so I don't have to try and rearrange the whole thing. I just heard a Protestant say, in an accusation against the Nazis, well, then people called Hitler a Christian. And that can't be true, because the Nazis took Christ off of the altar. Okay. You Protestant moron. You want to talk to me about taking Christ off? Off of the altar? Travel around and walk into any, any Protestant church. And you tell me if there's even so much as an image of Christ on the altar. Now, they'll preach Christ as they just got like the cross on the wall or whatever. And they might have some fancy schmancy paintings, but it doesn't look anything like the sort of sacred art that you would find in a Catholic or even an Orthodox church. 
You want to talk to me about taking Christ off of the altar? Christ is in the tabernacle on the altar in every Catholic church. Physically. You tell me who took Christ off of the altar. You're going to make that accusation against the Nazis. It's the exact accusation that I could make against you. That every Catholic can make against you. These people aren't Christian. Oh, newsflash, neither are you. How do, I, how do I know? I can tell by your fruits. You want to talk, you want to preach Christ, but you preach Christ without preaching him crucified. Despite the fact that in sacred scripture, the apostle St. Paul says, I preach Christ and him crucified. Oh, you talk about the fact that he was crucified. You will even say the words out of the gospel. Pick up your cross and follow me. But you don't have any way to anchor that in anything. Ask any pastor this one question. And when I'm talking about any pastor, I'm talking about Protestant pastors. Because if you do this to a Catholic priest, he's going to tell you, we have sacred tradition, sacred scripture, and the magisterium of the church, where Christ passed down to the apostles everything that he commanded to be taught, and then the apostles did what they were supposed to do, and they handed that to the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And that has been passed down, unbroken, for millennia. Two of them. I mean, granted, you got, you know, this craziness that's going on in the Vatican right now, but the Vatican is not the mystical body of Christ. I mean, it is, but it's not. It's the visible portion, the human element of his church. And the human element of his church, I don't know if you've noticed, humans are kind of dumb. So when the human element of his church starts acting the fool, all I got to do is refer to you back to people are pretty stupid and the human element has people in it. And so therefore the human element of Christ's church is pretty stupid. And all of that is to say that despite 2,000 years of ridiculous psychopathy, narcissism, sociopathy, sociopathy, etc., Christ's church stands. Because while it includes the people, it only includes the people so long as they conform themselves with him. And we have doctrine and dogma that has been unbroken for millennia. And we can point to you, point you towards the hierarchy whose responsibility it is to pass down what Christ handed to the apostles and that the apostles handed to their successors under the guidance, when he was able to be a guide, of the successor of St. Peter. And you're like, oh, but I don't believe in that. Well, maybe you should go back and read the New Testament and see exactly how waffly and flip-floppy and sort of weak-kneed and cowardly St. Peter was, and you will immediately understand everything that's going on in the Catholic Church. Because God knew what he was doing. Christ knew what he was doing when he put Peter in charge. And you got to ask yourself, if God knew what he was doing, why did he put Peter in charge? And why should I maybe pay attention to that? You ask any Protestant, well, where do you get the authority to preach this? Well, I have sacred scripture. Yes. And you're saying the words. But where do you get the authority for your interpretation? Where do you get the authority for the lessons that you've learned? Now, if you ask a Catholic, they're going to tell you, I was taught that this is what this means, and it was passed down to me by my priest and my bishop and their predecessors for 2,000.
thousand years. Unbroken, unchanged, unaltered. So where do you get the authority? Because even when I dive in and I'm at and like I'm interpreting prophecy, I'm not really interpreting prophecy. I'm looking at parallels, and I'm just a guy. Now I might point you to Saint Thomas or Saint Augustine or uh, Saint Athanasius or Saint Irenaeus or Saint Polycarp or Saint John Chrysostom or Saint John of the Cross or Saint Bernard of Clairvaux or Saint Catherine of Siena or. <clears throat> Pope St. Pius X, or... You notice I can keep going on here, and I point to other people who were much smarter than me because I am a mechanic and a warfighter, and I am not a theologian. I'm not a canon lawyer. I'm a canonist. With two N's after the A, not one. Big difference. C-A-N-N-O... N-I-S-T versus C-A-N-O-N-I-S-T. One does a lot of talking. The other does a lot of shooting. I'm the one who did a lot of shooting. <laughs> so anytime I listen to people who are talking about Scripture and they're talking about the Apocalypse, if you're not a Catholic, the Apocalypse of St. John, what you call the Book of Revelation, is not a letter to you. It's not telling you your history. It's telling you our history. The history of the Catholic Church. It lays out the plan that God gave for the Catholic Church. St. John's Apocalypse is tied to the Old Testament. There are parallels in the Old Testament. There are parallels that Christ explicitly said in the gospel. Everybody, and, and non-Christians bewilder me the most because they're like, oh, it, it, the Apostle St. John, oh, excuse me. Well, <clears throat> John the Apostle was probably on an acid trip. No, St. John the Apostle was writing in code so that the people he was writing to would know what he meant. And you could tie what he wrote in the Apocalypse to what was written in the book of Isaiah, in the book of Daniel, in the book of Ezekiel, in the book of Habakkuk, in the book of Malachi. You could tie what he wrote in the Apocalypse to what Christ explicitly said. You could tie what he wrote in the Apocalypse to what St. Peter and St. Paul taught in their letters, and St. James, and so on. Because let he who has an ear, let him hear what God has to say to the churches. If you broke away from the churches, that's not you. And it becomes very obvious. Well, how do you know? Well, there are a few things that Protestants do get right particularly one prominent Protestant who, for the life of me, one day, I pray every day for his conversion, because if he doesn't convert soon, if I ever meet him in person, I might punch him in the mouth the way St. Nicholas did to Arius. I'm not even joking. Because what I want to tell him is that the particular denomination <clears throat> that you follow is not Christian. I know it has Christ in the name. I got it. It's the only church that has the name of Jesus Christ in it. I got it. Just because you took the name doesn't mean you have the faith. You need to dig into the theology of your own church. Because what you have right now is what the average so-called Catholic has of the Catholic Church, which is no understanding of their church at all. 70% of the Catholic Church doesn't believe in the real presence of Christ, which has been a dogma of the faith for millennia. Properly 
codified at the Council of Trent. It has been a dogma of the faith for a thousand and a half years. And more. <clears throat> Nearly 2,000 years unbroken. Up until when? Up until the 1960s. We all know what happened in the 1960s and why things seem to go off the rails pretty quickly. But today, most Catholics are not Catholic. They don't believe in the Catholic faith. They don't know the Catholic faith to believe it. And the only thing that's more of a pity is that a very large portion, I don't know how many precisely, but a very large portion of them do not want to know. Why? Because they, like most of us in these United States, grew up in a country that hates Christ. Because if we loved Jesus Christ, we would do what he told us. Even the Protestant understanding of what he told us might be sufficient to hold us together. Notwithstanding the fact that if you follow Protestantism, the first piece of Protestantism, remember, we have the magisterium. We have sacred tradition. We, and then we also have sacred scripture. Protestants have scripture. And this fluffy thing that they call faith that has no likeness to what a Catholic understands faith is. See, faith, on a natural level, is an action of the intellect and the will. Which means you have to hear the truth, comprehend the truth, conform yourself to the truth. And if you do that, then you might get enough grace to have something of a supernatural faith, which will enlighten you to more truth. And if I didn't get that precisely right, I'm going to go ahead and refer you to the type of canonist that I am. <laughs> because anything I get right in these things, that's God. And anything I get wrong, well, that's me. So if I'm mistaken on this one, I'm mistaken on this one. You can feel free to email me. Be like, hey, that's not quite the thing, and I'll try to correct it. The next time I say it, I'll be a, be a little, little, little bit less sloppy about how I say it. But I'm trying to keep this down to the brass tacks. I don't even know why that's a saying. It was one of these days I have to look that up. <clears throat> In Protestantism, what was Martin Luther? Well, Martin Luther declared... If you're against him, if you disagree with him, then you're disagreeing with God, because his opinion is both his and God's. So for the Protestant, every man is their own oracle. For the Catholic, even the Pope is not the oracle. He is the visible head of the church, the steward of Christ's church, not the oracle. So when everybody gets all butthurt and bent around the axle, even within the church, about some of the things that the Pope is doing, we have to remind ourselves he is the steward. And yes, he's going out and getting, well, not figuratively speaking, getting drunk and beating the other, his fellow servants. And when the Lord comes, he will get beaten too. And God help him. Because some of the stuff that this particular steward is doing is enough to get a millstone wrapped around his neck and him thrown into the abyss. The abyss, in this case, if he doesn't repent quickly, is not water. And that's a thing that Protestants don't seem to understand. No, the Pope is not an oracle. We don't follow every single thing that comes out of the mouth of the Pope. For 2,000 years, most Catholics had no idea of the daily talk of the Pope. It's literally since Pope John Paul II 
that people even started to that people even started to pay that close attention. And then it was him. And then Benedict, who kind of dialed everything back a little bit on that end. And then Francis, who can't shut his mouth long enough to not put his foot in it. And God bless him. God love him. You know, I pray for his conversion. And I know exactly what he needs to be converted from. I <laughs> the devil recognizes his own. And in this particular case, I recognize all of my past transgressions, all of my past sins, and the and the <clears throat> error of my past outlook. And I recognize it in him. And if my dumbass can come back to the church, if I can revert back to the Catholic faith, and it was nigh on a miracle that I did, given my life, then I know he can. And if he doesn't, I know that's actually a result of me and Catholics like me who are not spending enough time on their knees praying. Who are not spending enough time doing penance. Who are not spending enough time doing reparation for all of the things that we, have, that we ourselves have done. In the 1990s, it was, it was discovered by President Bill Clinton that 95% of American Catholics used contraception even in their marriage. Does that sound Catholic? No. Does that sound like a group of people who deserve to have a good Pope as their leader? No. If we were holy, at least a little bit holy, we would have a more holy Pope. We had holy popes. You know, back when penance wasn't such a thing, like, like, oh, hey, of course I'm, of course I gave up meat for Lent. Of course I did these things for Advent. Of course I celebrate St. Martin's Lent. Of course I do all of these extra penances. Of course I pray the rosary every day. Back in, back in the day with those Catholics, we get a Pope St. Pius X. We get a Pope Leo XIII. We get a Pope uh, Pope Pius XI and Pius XII. We get good Orthodox Popes. But in this day and age, when most Catholics can't even get out of the chair and get on their knees to pray, and I'm not talking about broken old people, I'm talking about young people. I'm talking about middle-aged people. I'm talking about people my age. If we can't get our asses out of the chair, and we can't get down on our knees and pray, and we can't manage to make it to the church at least once a week to spend some time in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and we can't bother spending 15 minutes praying the rosary, and we can't bother giving up something more substantive than chocolate during Lent, what kind of Pope do you think that people deserve? Because I can tell you, it's not Pope St. Gregory the Great. And it's not Pope St. Pius X. The condition of the Catholic soul today is so bad that we didn't even warrant a Pope Alexander or a per Pope... We didn't even... Do you understand, dear family... That the Catholic Church today, that everybody who calls themselves Catholic, we don't have sufficient holiness to get a Borgia Pope. Couldn't even get that kind of Pope. We got this kind of Pope. And it's not, it's not because the Holy Spirit's not guiding things. It's because we aren't warranting the grace. Our Lady shows up in 1917, says, pray the rosary every day. Says, celebrate the first Saturdays. What did we do? Nothing. Sister Lucia said it later. She said the Blessed Virgin is very upset because Catholics are not heeding her warning, neither the good nor the bad. Neither the good nor the bad. The good, recognizing that, you know, they're good, they don't need to do these things. And the bad, not seeing the punishment of God, decided they don't need these things either. 
So when nobody in the church is listening to the Blessed Mother, despite the fact that she moved the sun out of its place in the sky for 70,000 witnesses or more across 33 miles, you think that people that completely ignored her deserve even a Borgia Pope? I would argue, no, we don't. But as bad as things are for us, we at least have sacred tradition, we have the magisterium, and we have sacred scripture, and the three of those together, combined with the fact that we are the church that Christ established himself, give the Catholic Church the authority to say, no, this is a doctrine, this is a dogma, this is a discipline, this is what we do, that is what we don't do, and this is the reason why. And none of that, in the slightest, is in the possession of any Protestant, of any sect, anywhere. And if you want proof that maybe the ortho bros are not quite right, you can look at countries like Russia, who, while they're holding to some of this stuff, can't even be trusted to protect other Christians. Why is this important? Our Lady said at Fatima, that if we did not repent and actually do the things that we needed to do, if Russia was not consecrated to her Immaculate Heart, and the five first Saturdays devotion was not observed, and Catholics didn't pray the rosary every day, and if we did not do those things, whole nations will be annihilated. Well, dear family, I don't know if it actually still exists but I do know that we're probably less than a year away from an entire nation being erased, and no, it is not Ukraine or Israel. There is a whole Christian nation being eradicated right now. And who's letting it happen? That's right, Russia. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If they're not Catholic, they can't know what St. John's Apocalypse means. If they're in the habit, I mean, granted, it makes sense that you would be in the habit in the common parlance, but if, when speaking specifically of sacred scripture, if a person is not at least bouncing back and forth between calling the book St. John's Apocalypse... at least referring predominantly to St. John's Apocalypse, then chances are, and I was kind of bad about this because I grew up calling it the Book of Revelation, and so it took a little while for me to get rid of that, that particular reference. The Book of Revelation is a possession of Protestants who do not understand the words that are in the book. St. John's Apocalypse is a possession of Catholics who have the magisterium to kind of peel that open for them, who have 2,000 years of saints who talked about it, who wrote about it, to kind of peel that open for them. Protestants have, I don't know, Pastor John Hagee, who picked up the book, read it, and was like, I think this is what it means. Protestants have, I don't know, Billy Graham, who picked up the book one time and was like, read it and was like, hey, that must be what it means. Protestants, at best, might have Martin Luther's attempt at it. But if you look at even the Lutherans, the Lutherans don't believe what Martin Luther believes before he got all, my, my judgment is both my judgment and God's. Which, by the way, is the same thing Calvin did. It's the same thing every Protestant denomination has done. Pretty common for when you break away from Holy Mother Church, you become the Pope, which is really the whole appeal for Protestants. It's I get to be the arbiter of truth and justice. I get to be the one in control. I get to be the one like God. Why should I have to confess to a priest? Oh, because it's humiliating. And if you do not humble yourself, you will be humbled. I don't know if you missed that passage in the Gospels. Maranda mia. <clears throat> anyway. Why did I get on this rant? It was literally because I couldn't make it more than halfway through a moron's television program who wants to sit there and go, well, look over here and look over there and look over here and look over there and not see, and literally, in the words that are coming out of his mouth, not see the fact that everything that he believes is a result of all of those exact same errors. <laughs> who do the Baptists rely on to be anchored. Well, they rely on the book. Oh, okay, but who determines? Who's the one who actually is drawing that out? Where do you get the authority? Because here's the thing. You go from one Southern Baptist church to another Southern Baptist church, or maybe you just go to a regular Baptist church and then jump, and you can literally go from the Lutheran church to the Calvinist church to the Wesleyan church to the Presbyterian church to the Episcopal church to, to the Pentecostal church, and do tell, where's the unity? Because they're like, oh, well, you know, we, we agree on the big things. Well, the only thing that is the big thing that they agree on, which is weird, is that they supposedly follow Christ. Except that they don't actually follow anything it teaches. They don't have a real problem with abortion. I mean, some do. 
They don't have a problem with contraception. They don't have a problem with divorce. In the Catholic Church, if you're divorced and you get remarried, you're not allowed to go to communion. You're not allowed to show the visible sign that you are Catholic until you make a change in your life, repent, confess, and stop sinning. Where's that in any Protestant church? Because in all of the Protestant churches, it's once saved, always saved. Well, can you lose that salvation? Well, uh, maybe. <clears throat> can a man become a born-again Christian in a Pentecostal church, commit genocide, and still go to heaven? Or does he have to figure something out at some point and turn back? And who does he turn back to? How does he go about doing that? How does a murderer... Let's take this to the furthest extent. Why not? And I'm sorry that what I'm about to say is going gonna, is gonna to make some people feel uneasy. Okay? <clears throat> but let's take a child rapist. So a man commits rape against a child. Or a woman. You know, we could be equal opportunity about this. A child rapist... Most people understand that that person must be removed from society. Now, some, in some weird mixed bag of something or other, decide to cost everybody around that person thousands of dollars a year and lock him up for the rest of his natural life. And that's a way to do it, to be sure. The Catholic Church says that if somebody is too much of a risk, you can murk him. You can kill him for the safety of the community. That's why we have the death penalty. In fact, for a thousand years, <clears throat> the Catholic Church taught that the death penalty is actually a mercy because very rarely do you have in your life the knowledge of the exact date and time when you are going to die. Which means that if I <clears throat> were one of these people convicted and condemned, I would know that on Monday, December 12th of 19-whatever, 2000-whatever, at 12 a.m. or 8 o'clock in the morning or 6 p.m. or whatever, I'm going to die. So I have from now until then to figure it what they call the F out, repent, go to confession, receive the sacraments, and be saved. I still die. I'm still not going to be permitted to live out among society because I'm still getting the death penalty. But my soul, once I break away from the attachments to my sin, will go to heaven as part of God's plan of mercy. Now, some of you may think, well, that's not fair. Is it? For that, I would refer you to the book of Ezekiel. If a man repent and sin, if a bad man repent and sin no more, should he not live? If a good man repent and begin to sin and become evil, should he not die? That is God's justice and God's mercy. In a nutshell, in one chapter, in one book of in one book of one prophet, and it's repeated multiple times. I just happened to most recently have read it in the book of Ezekiel. It was very clear to me in that one because it was almost shocking to me that I'd never read it before, and it was a very important deal. And you can find it, <clears throat> just like you can find in the book of Jeremiah the prophet that. God's thoughts are not my thoughts. God's thoughts are significantly higher than my thoughts. I speak words all the time that provide no fruit, even when they're supposed to provide fruit according to natural law. But never does a word come out of the mouth of God that does not emanate from him and bring back exactly what he commands. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
I really didn't mean to get this kind of preachy. I kind of wanted to just hit a particular point. But the point is, is that in the Catholic Church, we have the structures for all of those things. We have the structures that demonstrate both God's mercy and God's justice. We have the structures that demonstrate God's love as enacted in our lives, in how we deal with each other, and in how we deal with everybody else. And no, we don't have exceptions like there are in the Talmud or in the Quran for people who don't believe. We are held by the same rules regardless of who it is that we're dealing with. Because the supreme law of the church is the salvation of souls. So we only get one rule book. And yes, people think it's extensive. And yes, people think it's difficult. And you know, to be sure, since, since we fell, since, since Adam and Eve and the fall of mankind, yes, it is hard. It is difficult. If you become a Catholic, you're signing up for the most difficult, emotionally trying, stressful, not really stressful. I don't know that stressful is uh, quite the right word. But you're going to be put in the fires to be tested. You're going to be put to the test. You become Catholic, you're going to get that test. And you're going to find out exactly what you're really made of. And once you found out that you're made of dust and ash and nothing of any real substance, then you'll be able to actually let God do what he meant to do in your life. And the more you conform yourself to his will, the greater your reward in heaven. Because faith without works is dead. And I actually went down all of those paths now that I think about it. I went down all of those paths to illustrate that the structures are in place, that we can be assured as Catholics that we are following God's plan because it is planned. Because there is a structure, a framework. We just have to conform ourselves to it and God will handle the rest. You're surrounded on all sides by the world, the flesh, and the devil. You're surrounded on all sides by the enemy encroaching in on your life. Well, great, because God has put you exactly where he wants you. You cannot understand prophecy without the structure of the church. You can't. You can see some parallels here and there, but some of those parallels are going to be ghosts. Like right now, with a very prominent television personality who I refuse to name, because in all honesty, at this point, I'm refusing to give him the clicks. Who's talking about Gog and Magog, which, for the record, he also says Catechon, despite the fact that it is Catechon. You know, the way it is Catechist or Catechism. Because the C-H is not ch in Latin or Greek. It is k. Like the Cairo. In fact, in Old Greek, the ch is actually spelled with an X, which is how you know it's k. <clears throat> and I'm sorry, because that had to sound tremendously annoying as I was diving down that. But and he would know this if he was being taught instead of reading it and deriving his own interpretation. He would know how to pronounce it. He would know what it is that's being said if he were taught. And the fact that he's been allowed to get this far without anybody grabbing him by his chubby little ears and saying, hey, you need to be taught these things because you can't just read the Look, if you think you can read the Bible, the Bible. 70 plus books of history and instruction. If you think you can read that and get it right the first time, then you probably also think that I can hand you an engineering manual for an airplane and build an airplane. And I will tell you right now, 
you can't. Because just like you have to learn how to build an airplane, you have to learn how to read those books. That library of books. Most people still think the Bible is one book. It is a library of books. Maronna mia. Anyway. You'll know them by their fruits. The fruits of Protestantism are a bunch of intellectual dead ends and purple-haired, nose-pierced, tattooed psychopaths. Because when you decide that you can become the Pope by becoming Protestant, then you also decide for your children that they can become the Pope. And you can't really get mad when they decide they're going to do their own thing against you because you've already done it. You've already said the non serviam. You've already declared you will not serve. You already declared that you will not listen. You already declared that you will not learn. And so you cannot be surprised when your progeny decide for themselves that they will not learn either. <clears throat> and the proof is what just shook the world? The announcement to the dubia that trans people can be baptized. The announcement of the dubia that trans people can be godparents. That, at least those were the headlines. That you can be trans and be Catholic. They didn't even say that. They said the discussion can be had. And just having the discussion caused the whole world to assume that the Catholic Church now accepts what it never accepted for two thousand years. Has the Baptist Church ever made that news? Has the Mormon Church ever made that news? Has the Pentecostal Church ever made that news? Has the Presbyterian have the Presbyterians or the Episcopalians have any of them made that news to that level? No. Because they're not the center of Christendom. And they're not the church. I happen to agree, but I was listening to Avoiding Babylon earlier today, and I happen to agree with Joshua Charles that if you're that if you're looking at all of these things and you're seeing prophecy and, and St. John's Apocalypse and the predict and the prophecies of, of the prophet Daniel, and you're looking around and you're seeing all of these things come true. Why are you scared? Why does it worry you? These things are coming true because God is true. And if you had any faith, any faith, the only thing you'd be scared of is that maybe your children aren't in a state of grace. Maybe you aren't in a state of grace. Because that would be the only thing to terrify you. Because it wouldn't even have anything directly to do with you because you believe and you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. Or if you're not, you know you're not, and you know you need to get right. You would understand the concept of meek because you simply wouldn't be attached to it. You know, all of these things started coming to pass. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Well, let me make some preparations. And then I reached a point when I looked around and I saw more of Catholic prophecy, more of the scripture coming to pass. And I was like, oh, wait. I could keep going. I could keep preparing. I could put away money and try to build up a savings account and buy gold and have guns and bullets and spare food and this, that, and you have a whole locker of stuff. Or I could do what's really important and get on my knees and pray the rosary and take my happy ass to confession and get into and stay in a state of grace. 
And which of those things are going to be more fruitful? Me having a 25-year supply of food? Or me having the Blessed Mother waiting on me when the nuke goes off and turns me to vapor? I think I'll take the second one. And if the nuke never comes, great. If I'm never killed in the streets because some violent mob was allowed to ransack the streets because the police weren't allowed to do their job, and our and our lady is there waiting for me on the other side of it, going, all right, kids, time to come home. What am I going to do with all that food? <sighs> Nothing. Hand it off to, oh, I can leave it in a will to somebody. Okay, great, now you can feed yourself. It's good to prepare. It's good to be ready. It's not good to worry about the material. It's not good to worry about whether or not Russia is actually about to unleash World War III on the world. Why? Because Our Lady said that was going to be kind of how that happened if we didn't fix ourselves. And newsflash, we didn't fix ourselves. So what do you think is going to happen? We didn't fix ourselves. What do you think is going to happen? She said, repent, or this is going to happen. We didn't repent. Oh, weird. This is going to happen. This is a surprise? This should be a surprise to nobody. I got it. We want to live. You know, I enjoy living. I love stepping outside, stepping outside work in the morning, especially in the wintertime when I step outside in the morning and I'm watching the sunrise. I love watching the sunrise. I love when I step, when I'm done at the end of the day and I step outside and I watch the sunset. I love watching the sunset. I would love to have a hundred years more of sunrises and sunsets. I would love to have 20 or 30 more years of going hiking and driving in the countryside and spending time with friends and family. Those things would be great. But if I got to choose between a hundred more years of Earth and two more years in the beatific vision, I'll take the beatific vision. Thank you. Every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Oh, I'm gonna hang around. I'm gonna hang around this world for a little bit longer. We're gonna pilgrim. Nah, dog, I'll pass. I think that's probably part of the reason why, like, like, I don't get those those locutions or or you know the apparition or anything like that is because. Hey, you want to make the sacrifice? I'd rather come home. I'd rather be with God. I'd, I'd rather that. I'm going to spend, a whole, I'm going to spend, spend another 50 years on earth, or I could go home to heaven? I'll take heaven. Now, if he wants me here on earth, I'll be here on earth. You know? But if you're going to mess around and give me the choice, boss, Pearly Gates, here I come. That's happening. I ain't hanging around. I love y'all. I'm not... St it's Christ. What would you choose? <clears throat> That's probably the only reason why I'd stay the CPU. Well, I mean, you get a better crown. Uh, okay. For you, Lord. I'll hang around. The point is, all of this stuff that's coming out from everybody is one of the reasons why most, like, if you if you listen to most Catholics, even the ones who are, you know, pretty pro-Israel, are kind of like, yeah, but this isn't the end all. Like, kind of got other things on our minds. And I noticed everybody who's catching who's catching it for not being pro-Israel enough, it's weird. With a couple of exceptions. They're Catholic. You hit the more traditional podcasts, they're like, hey guys, this is going to be a problem. You get to the less traditional podcasts, they're like, hey, I don't know how much I'm into this. You know, the Michael Knowles's, the Candace Owens, a lot of people forget that she recently converted to Catholicism. 
what she's saying she's like i don't know if i'm really willing to go to that level hey guys did you happen to like are you paying it like you really want to get involved in that I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a couple of shills out there going, oh, yes, yes, definitely, another war. Just proving that they're not really Catholic, that's all. We need to be, we need to choose that we're on the right side of history, or we need to step back and look at reality, boss. And the reality is, you can never support genocide, and in order to defeat one of the two sides, you have to commit genocide. It really doesn't matter which side you're on. If you're on the side of Hamas, they want to commit genocide. And if you're on the side of Israel, even if they don't want to commit genocide, if they want this to stop, they have to commit genocide. So congrats, guys. There's no winning situation. This is a Kobayashi Maru. Back up. Take a look around. Oh, we need to go to Ukraine. Or not. Maybe we block up that border on our, you know, to our south. Maybe we do something about the fentanyl crisis. Maybe we make sure that people can afford to buy homes. Maybe we make sure that people can afford to feed their own children before we go sending every last red cent overseas. Maybe we do those things. I don't know who it was who said charity begins at home, but more often than not, it does actually ring pretty true. Anyway, I say all that to say, be careful who you're listening to. I got one guy popping off of the mouth and I'm ready to choke him. Because he's wrong. And he's got millions and millions of people who listen to him. Anyway, pray for his reversion. I mean, he was Catholic. Pray for the conversion of the Pope. But I think it might not be a bad idea if maybe we pray for the conversion of our brethren. Maybe we pray to the Blessed Mother, we pray to Our Lady of Sorrows, and ask her to pour out all of the grace that Christ gives to her onto our brethren, our co-religionists, our fellow Catholics, to wake up, get back to the faith, Pray the rosary. And maybe, just maybe, then God will give us the leader that we actually need. Because we'll show that we're committed. Because if I was God, I really wouldn't waste the time. You mess around and give us a holy pope right now. I'm not even joking. Most Catholics would kill him. The bishops would hang his behind out to dry. Why? Because they don't have... What is it they say about, you know, when a priest becomes a bishop... They send them. They send them back to get their spine removed. <clears throat> we we try to get a holy pope now. They ain't gonna go the way you think. Remember, Israel killed most of her prophets in the Old Testament. If we think that's not gonna be true in the New, dog, y'all ain't reading enough scripture. Anyway, pray for the church. Pray for the nation. And pray for the rest of us in Catholic social media that we don't just go completely off the rails. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.